we'll start with the set aside prayer. God, please set aside everything that I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others, especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, we're going to read two powerful, two or three powerful pages in Bill's story. We've covered, uh, we've spent three talks on it up to this point. We're only on page uh, uh, nine, I believe. But uh, I I see this uh, story as a message of hope for all those suffering from the disease of alcoholism. And, and it's not just for people who are uh, new, it's for all of us. And it's a reminder of the first step. It's a reminder of my powerlessness. We had a special birthday today, somebody I've known for 20 years, and they were talking how bleak it was before the dawn, that dark time, and I could relate to that. You know, fear, overwhelming fear. And so we, uh, Bill's sto- story starts out with his, his uh, youth and his success and his, what his goals are in life, and they're all self-centered. They're all designed to have people approve of him and think well of him. And uh, he's forged between alcohol and speculation, it says he forged a boomerang that would come back to hit him. And his speculation was to try to get rich in the market and all that stuff. And then alcohol, he forged it and it killed him. It was killing him. And he ended up in 1934 in the hospital. I think it was 1934. And this was the second time in the hospital. And at this point, uh, Dr. Silkworth is is telling his wife he's going to die. Well, not that. He's going to either have delirium tremens and die or get a wet brain. And that he's a danger to himself. And that he, there's no hope for him. He's not going to be able to change and stop drinking. And uh, Bill was listening to them and he was feeling kind of bad because of the regrets and he wishes he could make amends to her. And it says it was a real blow to his pride, top of page eight. And he says, I who had thought so well of myself, anybody relate to that? And my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles was cornered at last. He was cornered. So it wasn't like Bill woke up one day and said, I'm gonna go to AA. You know, I'm in trouble at home. No, he was cornered. And he was gonna plunge into the dark, he says. And then on page eight, I'll read, his, his, he admits complete defeat. And I listen to people when they uh, share who are new, and I listen to see how they're, what they're saying compares to this. No words can tell the loneliness and despair I found in the bitter morass of self-pity. No words. Quick sand stretched around me in all directions. That's how I felt. I had met my match, I had met my match. Life, life, I couldn't manage my life anymore. I couldn't stop drinking, I couldn't manage my life. I had been overwhelmed, alcohol was my master. 
not only was alcohol my master, but uh, my self-will had mastered me. My self-centeredness had mastered me. I was completely defeated. I had no way to manage my life or anything. So uh, I asked God to help me. I really did. I mean, I sat, got down on my knees. And I said, God, help me. I, I, I just was at the end. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. And then things happened in my life, and I'm here today. And I t only take credit for trying to do God's will and listen to directions and go to any length and be willing to let go of my old ideas as best I could and do the work, the program, to the best of my ability with God and others' help. And he says, trembling, he stopped from the hospital, broken man. Now, this is 1934. There's no hope for this man. So if you are, have had a bad life up to this point, listen to this. And he, uh, he drank again. And then here it is, how dark it is before the dawn. So here's 1934, November, the man is dying. But something happened, because the, the message of hope, because in your book, if you go to the last page of Bill's story, there's a little asterisk. He died in 1971. So something happened to this man that he was able to live 37 more years. Now, if you didn't know that, you're reading this, you didn't know anything about Bill W, you say, well, boy, he's bad. Uh, he's in bad shape. And then he says he was soon to be catapulted in what he likes to call the fourth dimension of existence. And God catapulted him. I don't think he can take credit for it. He knows happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. So here it is. He's defeated. How dark it is before the dawn. But he's telling you that something's going to happen to him. And his life was going to change. And it was going to be a life completely different. And it was, he was going to have peace. And it was more wonderful. So then he's sitting in November. And this is where I say, God, the hand of God. God made his move. I believe, and it's just my opinion, that God wanted to carry this message of the 12 steps to the world. He wanted to give us a program so that we could live in harmony with him as best we could. And he figured alcoholics were desperate enough that we might do this. Because church people have asked me to do the steps, minister and this and that. And I said, nobody will do them. They'll want their wives to do them. <laughs> but, but they're not desperate enough. I, I can't say nobody would do them. But, we have to have that desperation because look what it takes for us to do it. And uh, Abby Thatcher comes to the house. He calls him. Bill thinks he's got enough booze hidden. Abby will drink with him. Abby says, no, he's not going to drink. He's got religion. So then Bill says, oh, I have enough gin to outlast him. You know, He didn't want to hear anything about that. Of course, he's dying, right? Bill's dying, but he... And then... He talked about how he was rescued, Ebby, and then the result was self-evident. He gave himself to a simple religious idea. Now, what's the simple religious idea? That I'm not God, and that God is God, and God should manage my life, and a practical program of action to allow God to do that.
And that's what the Oxford group was all about. It was this simple idea, we can't play God, and we have a, we're gonna have, they had six steps so that God could correct their life and they could live a God-centered life, not self-centered. Not perfect or anything, but growing in sanctification, growing in the image and likeness of their creator. And he came to pass his experience over to Bill and notice if, he, if Bill cared to have it, top of page 10. So he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna yell at Bill or anything. I was shocked but interested. And he says, I had to be because I was hopeless. So Bill understood that he was hopeless. So at this point, maybe this is why Ebby came that day. Why didn't he come a week before? He came that day because on that day, Bill could see constitutionally capable of being honest with himself that he had a hopeless situation. So he was open-minded to something else, to some other suggestion. And then he talked to him and he's, he's uh, listening and then Bill says, I'd always believed in a power greater than myself, but I wrote, but never relied on. That's the key thing in, in, in AA's text terms, belief is not enough. Belief in God and not, and not allowing him to work in our lives is not enough. We have to learn to trust and have faith in God and go from belief to faith. Now that's the difference between AA and, and maybe uh, religion per se, because we have to trust and rely on God, not on ourselves. Now we can believe that God can do that, but we have to learn how to allow him because I never did. Did anybody else? No. All I did was get myself into a complete mess and uh, I never want to forget how bad it was. And then, um, He's talking about, you know, maybe there's an underlying intelligence and this and that, you know, we're alcoholics. But when they talked, he says, but when they talked of a God personal me at the bottom of page 10, who was love, superhuman strength and direction, he became irritated, why? Because he didn't want uh, direction. He didn't want superhuman strength. He wanted his own plan. That's why people don't want to hear about God. They don't admit, they may not, intellectually realize it, but that's what they're really saying. They don't want to give up on themselves. He snapped his mind shut. Now here's, here's where Bill's, Bill's uh, giving us his intellect. To Christ, on page 11, he could see the certainty of a great man. He thought Christ was a good guy. That was nice of Bill. Uh, not too close. And you, there are a lot of people who, who aren't Christians who believe that. That's fine. And uh, his moral teaching most excellent. This is what I like. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient <laughs> and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. It's the way people look at the steps. They don't want to actually read 88 pages. Are you kidding me? They don't really want to follow the directions. They like a little bit. They pick out things. Uh, but that's not going to work, right? Half measure the veil is nothing, right? And then he talks about the wars and human, human beings. So because of human beings, he couldn't believe in God. Well, we know we have a sinful nature and we're self-will run riot, but we're an extreme example of it. But the world is self-will run riot. Then, but here's the deal. Abby comes, he's standing before Bill, page 11, and he made the point blank declaration 
that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. Now, you can't argue with that. So this book is a testimony. This is a testimony of what they did to achieve what they had. And they had recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. So if I do what they did, I can have that result. If I pick the parts I like and the parts I don't like or disregard, I'm going to have what I have, which is a mess. And so this is the cake, the cake that you need to bake if you want to have what they had. Now, if you don't want to do it, fine. Have a party. Tell us how it's working for you. But you can't get people to do it. They have to want to do it, and then they have to do it. And then he said, um, his human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. And that's what I could say to someone. I can make the point blank declaration, God has done for me what I could not do for myself. And that's so true. My human will has failed. And my human will will fail today to manage my life. And that's why we never die. We have to continue to do it. That's why recovered is not cured. Recovered means I know my human will will fail. And when I have human will, I have to stop and turn to God's will all day long. Like my, and he was going to get locked up when we went through that in the last meeting. Like myself, he admitted complete defeat. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. We heard that today. 20 years ago, Cliff, it was pretty bad. You couldn't imagine what it would be like today. When I look back, the things that have happened when I put myself in God's hands were better than anything I could have ever imagined. That's why if I ever get into a little self-pity, you know we all do, I just stop right away and I say, wow, I'm lucky I have something to worry about. You know, I'm so grateful just being alive and, and uh, uh, what, what, where I am. And, and uh, you can always uh, change the direction of your thinking with gratitude. Gratitude for what God has done for me. And did I deserve it now? So he said, had this power originated in him? Obviously he had not, because he had no more power in him than there was in me. That's what Bill's thinking. Ebby's no smarter than I am. He's not more powerful. He was a mess too. And that floored Bill. You can't argue with somebody's testimony. People don't like the book. They say, oh, I don't like the book. I don't like the language or the way it's written or some craziness. I said, well, fine, don't read it. But, but, uh, you can be a testimony to what this, the program's done for you, and people can't argue with it. And if, it, if it's a valid enough testimony, and you show this in your, the way you are, people might want it. And that's really, I think, what we're supposed to do at meetings. We're supposed to share this with others, and uh, maybe they'll want what we have. Now remember, there's a warning on page 164, you can't give away what you don't have. So that's why when people ask me, I said, find somebody who's done this, who's done the steps out of the book, and, and do it. Um, maybe religious people were right after all. That was nice of Bill, wasn't it? Uh, because here, we, well, but religious people, it says later in the book, have something we don't have. Be sure to see where they are right. 
because they have a peace that we don't have. Here was something at work in the human heart. Now, it's not in the mind, you notice? Because remember, we have to stop thinking. That's our problem, our desire to stop thinking. Because my thinking got me here. Now, if my thinking's aligned with God, I can think all I want, right? But if it's self-centered thinking, then it's, it's going to cause me trouble. Which had done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. And that's why reading this, when you see where Bill was on the previous page, and now you see what happened to him, and he lived 37 years, maybe you'll change your ideas. You get it? Maybe you'll want to read the next chapter. There is a solution. Never mind the musty past. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. He shouted great tidings, and we are the miracle. And we should shout great tidings. And the miracle comes from the miracle worker, right? And that's what we, you read the promises on page 83 and 84. That's, the, that's what God does to us. It says, God is doing for me what I cannot do for myself. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped a new soil. Now, this is really important. Because when I came on here, I had, I had, uh, I had soil, and I was grasping, but it was Michael's soil. I was rooted in me and what I wanted and my self-will. How did it look? The tree looked pretty bad. It was a tree that you don't want in your front yard. The bark was a mess. There was no fruit. It was disgusting. Now, I need a different soil. That's what AA is all about. The steps is not about, it's how to plant my tree in God's soil and get the fruit of that relationship. And if I don't plant in God's soil, I got the fruit of my relationship with me, which is anger, fear, and shame, and guilt, and harm. And when my soil's planted in God's soil, I get peace and love and usefulness to him and others, peace of mind. Despite the living example of my friend, so in spite of this, he's telling it's a miracle, he's looking at him, and so, I, I don't know, it's so beautifully written. Despite the living example, a living example, there remained to me the vestiges of my old prejudice. You see, he's still hanging on. And I think that's why people die in AA. We hang on to the vestiges of my old prejudice, my old ideas. I'm not willing to completely give up and ask for somebody's direction. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy negative feeling, deep-seated feeling of dislike is what antipathy is. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal me, this intensified, made it even worse. He didn't want to hear about that because he had vestiges of his old prejudice. It was an old idea he had. He wasn't willing to let go of it. That maybe God could help him. And underlying that is, remember it says on page 63, we had to stop playing God. It doesn't work. Why? Because I'm not God. Took me a while to figure that one out. I didn't like the idea. It could go on for such conceptions. He could, he could tolerate creative intelligence, universal mind or spirit of nature, but he resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens. He didn't want somebody to be totally in charge that wasn't him. 
however loving his sway may be. I've since talked with scores of men who felt the same way, and it's very common in alcoholics, even if we don't even admit it. We could say we believe in God, but we still don't want to admit that, you know, he's really in charge. So my friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea, a new kind, a different idea. And it's in squiggly writing. We don't know if Ebby actually said this. I've heard Ebby talk and Bill's talk at meetings. But this was the idea. Why don't you use, choose your own conception of God? In other words, I don't have to choose somebody else's conception. Now, I made this point, I don't know if it's true anymore, that if you go to church and everybody believes in Jesus, each person has their own Jesus. It's, they have their own conception of Jesus. And then some people will tell you about their conception of Jesus, and you better have their conception. Has anybody seen that in churches? Yeah, yeah. And so we have to remember, it's our conception. Now here's where Bill, Bill changes. And this is a really, uh, when I read this, I didn't understand it at first. Having gone through this for years now, it's so beautiful because it really, I think it, it, it hit me, but it has to hit me every day. Listen what he says. So choose your own conception of God. That statement hit me hard. Now, what did this statement do? It melted. Now, think about this. It melted this icy intellectual mountain. So I had built this icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I lived and shivered many years. I built this intellectual mountain, and I lived in it and shivered in it. What was the intellectual mountain I built? That I was God. I didn't realize it that the only way I could get approval in the world was to manage well, that uh, I had to get things and had to have things happen to be okay. And I, it was old ideas, but it was an icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I lived and shivered many years. And then when you live in this uh, behind the icy intellectual mountain, you don't have God. And who's built this? I did. It says we, we, we block God out, remember? By worship of other things, ourselves, what we wanted. And I built the icy intellectual mountain, and that's the old idea that I really had to let go of. I stood in the sunlight at last. You go from shivering, living in the shadow of the icy intellectual mountain to standing in the sunlight. Isn't that scriptural? I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, we, we want to live in the light. We don't want to live in the darkness. It's a common theme in the New Testament. We want to live in the light with God. We don't want to live in the darkness. Now, who puts me in the darkness? I do. And that's why we have to continually do this all the time. Now, when, when Bill did it the first time, and when I actually gave up on myself completely, it was a big deal. And then I had to keep giving up more and more all the time. Because uh, you, can, you can build that icy intellectual mountain back very quickly. I think people come to AA, they're completely defeated. They're crying, they're miserable. Oh, I'll do anything. Oh. And then the intellectual mountain rebuilds. You know, we had somebody the other day, and uh, 
they seemed to be in pretty bad shape. And uh, I gave him my number. And the girlfriend was really excited that, oh, yeah, maybe he can help you. And so I said, just call me. And the guy said, I'll, I'll give you a call. And no call. Why? He doesn't think he needs my help. You may get other help from somebody else. I'm not the only one. But it's very common. Now, I used to take their numbers and then call them. And then that, that never worked. It drove myself crazy. I, I don't do that anymore. I'm getting better. But I'm there for him. He's got that number. He might call me two years from now. You never know. You never know. But you want to put your hand out. But when you put your hand out, they have to grab it. And remember, it says we want the hand of AA always to be there, right? And remember, and, and there's a solution. It says, which seemed at first the flimsy reed. We're desperation of a drowning man. There's a flimsy reed. How can this save me? And we reach up and grab it. It becomes the powerful hand of God. And this is where Bill, this is the beginning. It says, I lived in shiver. I stood in the sunlight last. And he says, it was only a matter of being willing to believe. Now, I'd say, I put 100% here. I have to believe I'm 100% powerless. Right? 98% powerless won't help me. It's like leaving 2% of the cancer in. It's not recommended. You know, don't leave the 2% in. Well, it's only 2%. We had that lady, remember, that was, she, she was fighting this. And after one meeting, this was years ago, she goes, you know, I'm 90% powerless. I said, good, good. Next week, 95% powerless. But I haven't seen her since. We have to give up 100%. Now, how do we do that? Pain. We sick of, can't go on the way we are. And I think that's a gift when you see you're 100% powerless. And I think to be willing, 100% willing, is a gift. And we keep the gift alive, it says, by continuing to do the work. You never want to let your first step not stay alive. That's why uh, Cliff's birthday today was so important, because it reminds me of where he was. And look where he is 20 years now. I saw that growth could start from this point, just the beginning. Believe it, a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. So when you see you need a power greater than yourself, if you're willing to believe that there is a power greater than you that can restore you, then you start the beginning. That's the question on page 47. Am I, do I believe or am I willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself? And since once you believe or do believe, you're on your way. Now, you have to keep believing that by seeing that you need the power all the time. See how the first step is related to number second step? I saw that growth could start from that point upon the foundation of complete willingness. Complete willingness. I want to be completely willing. Now, we fight that, right? And so I have to ask the God to keep me completely willing. That's why you don't do it by yourself. That's why you do it with other people. That's why the fellowship is so important. It keeps me completely willing. I might build what I saw in my friend. So he saw that if he was completely willing, he could have whatever he had. Would I have it? Of course I would. And here it is. Thus I was convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. Now, I think he's concerned with us all the time, but I don't. But uh, when we want him enough, 
then uh, we'll do the work so that he'll be able to work in our lives. He, he's there, but he can't work because we won't let him. At long last I saw, I felt, I believe. Scales of pride and prejudice. Now think of that. These scales on his eyes of pride. Remember, he was so proud of himself. At the end, he was his pride. Remember, pride goeth before the fall. Uh, pride is the killer because it's a result of our low self-esteem and we have excessive pride. And we think we'll feel better about ourselves if we can achieve things or manage well. Pride and prejudice fell from my eyes and then what happened to Bill? A new world came into view. It was always there, but he couldn't see it. Why? Because he had an icy intellectual mountain built between him in which he was, the, he was God and he was running the world. Then his significance of the experience in the cathedral burst upon me. This was when he was in England after the war. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God, but it was brief. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came, but soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors. And I think that's what happens in AA. If we don't do the work, we don't do the, the, live in this, uh, these steps, then the sense of his presence, we blot it out. And, and that's why it's so important to sustain it. It's so important in the beginning when you have somebody who's willing and desperate enough to, to grab onto them and help them as best you can to start doing this so that they don't blot it out by worldly clamors. Maybe they're talking about relationships, maybe. That was a joke. Blotted out by worldly clamors. And here's the key, mostly those within myself. And why do I have clamors within myself? Because I'm self-centered and I have fear, right? And I have anxiety. And then, and before you know it, uh, the whole world's coming to an end, right? And I have these things on my mind. And remember, when you're in fear and anger, God can't work in that mind, right? You've blotted God out. You're not in the now with God. You're in the future in fear and you're in the past with anger. And God can only work in the now. So we have to unclear ourselves so that God can work right in the moment. And so it had been ever since how blind I had been. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. That's 1934. I'm going to stop there. Bill goes on. He's going to describe what he did in the next few pages. And it's so powerful. We'll pick it up on uh, Wednesday. Thank you.